Doing it live on a Tuesday, sort of. Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter, Dubcast, as always. Um, you know, my friend, what's interesting is um, how how quickly we ju- want to jump to judgment and um, and in where we are now in the way we endure, watch our sports, really, when you think about it. Most most of the people that I know, while they watch their sports, they're engaged on some source of social media, for the most part, probably Twitter. And and part of the enjoyment, and it is for me, part of the enjoyment of watching a game is also going back and forth and making snarky comments and, and kind of uh, evaluating the game as it's going on on social media. And I do it for every Buckeye game. I know you do for most. And uh, most now I've done it for the last couple of basketball games. And um, but, but what that does is it provides you, I think, with a false sense of reality. <laughs> <laughs> and and I had a really Twitter's interesting. Twitter's not real, Bo. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I, I'll have to tell our forty fifth president and and our um, but but anyway. So I, the best example of this was the last week with Ohio State basketball. Look, this has been a a, a terrible uh, season, a bad season. And when we did the cast last week, they were on three going into Wisconsin and Michigan State. And if you would have told anybody who listened, or certainly you were by, we would have said, "Give us a split. You'll take it." I mean, that's that was probably the most optimistic of hopes is that you'd get a split. Um, so they play Wisconsin after we had taped last week and um, get annihilated. And the feeling on uh, social media and not just social, and then you follow that to message boards and you read the papers the next couple of days and and just kind of see the reaction to the way they lost to Wisconsin. And it was, well, that Mata needs to step down, that his time has has run its course, that the program has um is has plateaued and potentially even worse than that to start going the other way. And and some of this stuff is very real, despite some of the hyperbole from last week. Some of it is very real that the program probably has plateaued, that it is starting to drift the wrong way, that they've made some huge mistakes. And we'll get into those as as we continue on. Um, but but that was followed with a win over Michigan State. And what happened after the Michigan State game is one of the rare things that happens in sports, and that is an opposing coach, a chief rival, goes to the podium and gives about a one minute soliloquy about the job that Thad Mata has done at Ohio state. And this is Tom Izzo, who's one of the most respected coaches in the history of college basketball, certainly in big 10 history, one of the most successful runs a program that I think Ohio state tried to emulate for a lot of years. And in many cases were better than over the last over Thad's run. Oh yeah. Tom Izzo speaks to the value of Thad Mata. And at the end of it, he says something and I'm paraphrasing to the, to the, to the, to the sense of, I don't give a I don't give a damn what they're saying in Columbus. And that Thad Mata is is basically beyond reproach, and it was a really interesting seven days kind of week that, that that happens there because you have on one extreme this uh, fanatical Twitter universe silo, hear yourselves talk. People need to be fired at midseason. And on the other hand, you have a basketball coach of legendary status who's in your arena after your guy just beat him saying this guy shouldn't be fired ever. And I don't give a damn what you say. And the truth is probably in the middle, right? I mean, the truth is probably in the middle that I no, mean, that shouldn't be fired, right? But the yeah, program Mata is at a like, point. That motto goes like 0-30 for like four consecutive seasons. Right. Then yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, right. Thomas, though. He probably should be fired at that point. He probably should be. Um, I, I mean, look, two pugnacious guys and Tom Izzo standing up for his bro. And I, that's cool. And, and I, I'm not saying that it's complete BS. I just think, you know, maybe there's a little bit of, I've got your back here, bro, going on. And to be fair, you know, Michigan State's not having the greatest season either, um, no. as evidenced by the fact that they just lost to Ohio State. Yeah, but, Draymond Green's not walking through the door. No, 
No, and that's okay. I mean, teams have that. They they have rebuilding years. They they you know some classes don't pan out as we saw last year with Ohio State. I think I think I agree with you. I think it is a little bit in the middle. I think some of it it's Tom Izzo stand up for his guy. But on the other hand, Thad Mata is a really good coach, and I think for whatever reason there may be some structural problems within Ohio State that maybe Thad Mata needs to overcome. And, and I guess my point is is that being a really good coach does not preclude you from ever being fired and it happens sometimes good coaches have bad runs and sometimes they need to find a new place it happens but i don't think that any reasonable person would say that it has to happen now or even this season i think the dude has earned probably another season to to right the ship a little bit um bring in some new you know guys and, and see what happens but with that said next season if you see similar results I don't necessarily have a problem with firing Thad Mod at the end of it. I think he's earned another one to try to right the ship a little bit, but we've seen a decline in overall play for several years now. That's got to stop. And if it doesn't, then, you know, as much as I would hate to say it, I would, I'd be okay uh, canning the dude. Well, so here's, here's what's interesting is how do you get here? How did it get to this point? Um, sure. When I was in Columbus, the Ohio State basketball program was a perennial top 10 team that most of the time I was there, you thought was going to make a run to the final four. Um, that that's kind of what they were. They were, they, the golden era to me of Thad Mata was Evan Turner's junior season when he was a national player of the year through Deshaun Thomas's junior year when he was a first team all American and they played in the elite eight. So I think that's a four year span of Evan's last year. You had Diebler there during that time. And then, then the next year's his best team. That's Sullinger's freshman year with Kraft and you had Lighty and Buford and Diebler. And then the next year, that year they get Gene Smith does them in on the brackets and they put them in the impossible bracket and they lose to a Kentucky team that was just a terrible matchup. And frankly, had they beaten Kentucky, they would have lost the next game because the next game was against North Carolina. Oh, yeah. John Henson and Harrison Barnes. And it was just a terrible matchup. It was the only the only type of teams that those Buckeye teams were going to lose to were Kentucky and Carolina. Yeah, that was the length. worst possible I mean, draw. It was just the that worst draw. I mean, they were the number one overall seed. Yeah. And, and Gene was the head of the damn committee. And somehow they got those teams in the bracket. It wasn't just them. Syracuse was in the bracket as well. I mean, it was yeah. a, an absurd bracket for, for the speaking number one of, overall seed. Speaking of Bo, that's another thing we can hit on a little bit uh, with Gene uh, now also being in charge of uh, some other yeah. decisions going on here soon. But I don't like yeah. it. I don't like it when he is. I just think it's a yeah. conflict. I don't like it. So we'll get to that. Yeah, about him being on the, the playoff committee. Um, but then the next year, they go to the Final Four with Sullinger. Um, back for his sophomore year. They lose to a very good Kansas team, and they were never going to win the national championship that year because even had they beat Kansas, they would have lost to Kentucky. That's Anthony Davis off the charts. <laughs> right. The next year, Sollinger is gone, and Deshaun is an All-American, and they go to the Elite Eight. And then from there, you have had this malaise, and you've had a program that has lacked star power. You've had, a, with the exception of D'Angelo Russell, that has right. lacked star power. You've had a program that has lacked passion, with the exception of the next year, with the, which was Aaron's uh, Aaron's senior year, which was the you know that was the end of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the passion was gone. You see a lot of guys who just seem to float through the program and and just kind of have these blank faces as they do. And I'm going to try not to get personal with this, but this is the way that I observe some of these players, and in terms of the way that their careers were, and guys that jump to mind for me are. Guys like LaQuentin Ross, who was here a couple of years, a guy like, um, oh, I'm blanking. Who am I? Who's the poster child for this? Amir Williams, Shannon Scott, basically that whole class. They all just kind of floated through. Uh, We've got one now with Mark Loving, who just kind of seems like he's just floating through 
you know, the, his time here. Mm-hmm. And you, the, all of the people that I just mentioned are guys who needed to be bedrock program guys who got here at one talent level and left at a different talent level and had complete buy-in of the program. And the feeling you get is that none of them did. And Mark's an Ohio kid. The other three guys I mentioned are not. Uh, but Mark's an Ohio guy. You expected him to be a bedrock guy, and he right. just doesn't actually, have that. And it's, I mean, it's probably not part of his makeup. I mean, maybe no. it's asking too much of him. But that's a mistake in recruiting. That's exactly so, actually the point that I wanted to bring up real quick, though, because I was looking at like Jayshon Tate's, you know, progression and, and Jaquan Lyle and all these other guys. And all right, so last season, right, Jaquan Lyle about eleven points per game, good season. Okay, I think a lot of people are expecting him to be kind of the number two guy. You know, somebody who can not necessarily the number two, but you know, the the guy on the team who can get you some points. Um, and he's, you know, he's got about similar minutes this year. He's scoring maybe another point per game, but that's it. You're not seeing like a big progression in terms of what right. he's capable of. Same with Jay Sean Tate again, dude in his third season or yeah, third season in the program. And he's yeah. done really well this year. He's, he's, you know, one of the best players, if not the best player on the team, but he's not blowing the lights out of the arena. I mean, against Michigan state, he had a serviceable game. I think it was like four for 11 or something like that from the field, you know, None of these guys seem to be progressing to the point where they are. I don't, they don't need to be superstars, but threats. Guys that other teams have to key on or they're going to get burned. I don't see any of those dudes on the team. And you would hope that a guy like, especially Jayshon Tate, at this point in his you know Ohio State career, would start to become that guy at some point. And that's, to yeah. me, the biggest failing of the past several years, where you've got guys who have just stalled in their development at a certain point. Oh, it's stalled. That can't happen. You you can't have that and be a really, really good basketball team. I was thinking about this on the drive back from taping the television show to today in Columbus um, about that exactly. Like, what? why yeah. have guys – and I just kept coming back to Sam Thompson, and I just thought that kid came in here as Great example. a high-flying yeah. dunker, and he left as a high-flying dunker, nothing more. <laughs> right. Aaron Kraft got no better. Aaron Kraft got no better. I mean, he was a fierce defender. He actually got worse as a shooter, which is the one thing he needed to improve upon. Mm-hmm. So that's coaching. Uh, that's that's on the coaching staff because obviously no one was going to get have more give a damn than Aaron. And and they didn't they didn't find a way to tap in and, and make him a better basketball player. And 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 so you so you have these guys. So if you look at a couple of issues, all right. So number one, you have you have a lot of guys who just floated through the program. The big reason that they're they are where they are though is recruiting and i think the reason for that is actually pretty simple when thad first got here he lands the thad five out of the gates Connolly odin cook and it sets the world on fire you play for a national championship early on in his tenure and thad says you know what i can recruit with the big boys and i can go get five stars and i can be in on the best players in the country and over the next couple of years he proved that he was right and yeah. he landed Sullinger and Thomas and Buford, all McDonald's All-Americans, all great players. Now, they, two of them were from Ohio, and Deshaun was close in Fort Wayne. Um, but you, these were five-star, can't-miss guys that everybody wanted, and he landed them. And then Jared Sullinger comes back for his sophomore year. And Jared Sullinger would have been a top-five pick had he come out at a freshman, comes back for his sophomore year, and he seems to get worse and <laughs> not better and yeah. doesn't really develop and ends up being now it's a loaded draft when he comes out so that's part of it too and jared had plantar fasciitis all sorts of problems jared ends up falling into the 20s and i think he was i think from that point on two things happened number one the aau coaches and people around ohio started to talk that maybe kids aren't developing the way that they should at ohio state Hmm. and the other thing that happened was thad had ignored a lot of ohio kids 
and right in in, in a, going big game hunting, he had ignored Ohio kids: Trey Burke, Karis Levert, Adrian Payne. You know the names. Not every one of these kids wanted to go to Ohio State. Some did, weren't offered. Uh, you can't hit on everybody, uh, but those are kids that jump out. And then it gets that. So then that all happened around that time. So now you're not landing. The other thing, one other quick thing on the recruiting end of it, when when he was landing all these kids, Kentucky didn't have Calipari. Indiana was completely incompetent and a total mess. Michigan was as well. Uh, Louisville didn't have Patino at the beginning of his run. I mean, there were a lot of factors, you know, that were swirling that allowed for him maybe to have the success in the region that he maybe wouldn't have if Calipari was at Kentucky. So now you come out of that and you say, we have to re-identify how we recruit. So the Shannon Scott, Sam Thompson class was that class that just passed through. That's just a, that's a four year group of players, the three or four of them there, Amir, Shannon, Sam, and they're all good kids. I mean, I knew them all well. I did the coach show. They're really good kids, but they just floated through. They just floated through the program. They didn't have any impact. Any of them could walk into Ohio State, and I don't know if anybody could even identify them. I mean, they were just guys who just kind of floated through the program. And then they do it a couple years later in 2015 with all those kids, Mickey Mitchell, Grandstaff, Harris, Giddens, all those kids, and they ran them all out. Right. Like, well, they pushed a whole class out. Like, nobody does that. Yeah, And, 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 and so now you say to yourself, what is the identity of Ohio State basketball recruiting? If you can't land the kids in Ohio to get them to stay, you can't. I mean, you see Luke Kennard lighting it up for Duke. Well, and, and I got to tell you something, man. In like, I mean, they weren't even I, in on him. And I got to tell you something real quick about Luke Kennard. So Luke Kennard comes from uh, Franklin, right? Yeah. Uh, Franklin High School. I used to substitute teach, actually, at Franklin High School. Um, Might have had him in one of my classes, actually. And... Yeah. I, have you ever been to Franklin, by the way? No, I don't even know where it is. I know it's Southwest Ohio, but that's yeah. It. Franklin Franklin's about a mile outside of Middletown. They're like right adjacent to each other, and they're really really close. I substitute taught there for a couple of years. Um, it's it is terrible. <laughs> like and not and, and look, the people there are great. I'm not trying to like crap yeah, on Franklin. Small town but Ohio, man, kind of. The, no, it's it's worse than that. The the middle school is right next to a cardboard factory. When the cardboard factory was still in operation, it smelled like wet cardboard every single day. <laughs> oh, high school is inexplicable. High school is actually great. The high school itself, great kids, great staff. I really really like the high school. Middle school, I mean, great kids, great staff, but just the the area is very depressed. Okay. Um, it's not, and I I just feel like if you're Thad Mata, you can sell that kid in Franklin, Ohio to Columbus and Ohio state really easily because that's the kind of place where you want to stay in Ohio. You want to be with your family and you, you want to make an impact. And I look Duke when Duke comes calling, right. You're going to, you're going to talk to coach K like, I'm not stupid, but, but you have to make that effort. And I I just got to believe that somebody from Franklin with the way that place is, and you know, it's really close knit community. Everything's primed for somebody like that to go to Ohio state. And I'm not saying you have to get that kid every single time, but man, you got to try hard because that's well, that's a big deal, and he's really good. He is really, really good this year. It, yeah, and and it the, the thing is, you do have to get that every kit every time if the expectation is that you're going to play for final right. fours. Right. And if you have a five star can't miss kid in your state that's an hour ten minutes away, then you damn well have to get him. You have to get him though. You, that, that, and that that's really the the point of all of this. Really is, and you watch Nick Ward with uh, Michigan State, and you see these some of a lot of these Ohio kids who are blossoming other places and playing well, and they've frankly just been missed on. 
and you say to yourself, what is the identity of this program from a recruiting standpoint? And even if you look at the next couple of classes, there's nobody in there that's going to change it on their own. There's no Connolly Oden class on the way. I mean, yeah. I think Thad's out of that business. I think that that's done. Uh, there's no Sullinger classes on the way. So he's going to ha- he's going to have to in year what 13 of his tenure, he has to change the way he builds a program. And you can build a program a couple of ways. You can do it the Calipari way, five pimps every year, <laughs> roll the dice and hope it works. You yeah. can do it the Bill Self way, where you get two pimps every year, and then you have a baseline of kids that play through your program. And I think if Bill were a better coach, I think he would have a lot more national championships than the one. Right. He frankly should, because he's built them probably the right way. Or you can do the Villanova thing, and you can develop kids over a four-year time. So, so they have to develop. That's what Ohio State is, is but yeah. you, you hit on it. So I think that's what Ohio State's program is now. And that changes. So the way that that works is your staff better be damn good. They better right. be able to develop and they better be able to coach it. Otherwise, yep. you're going to be stuck in neutral. And that. So to me right now, what is the Ohio State basketball program? To me, Johnny, it's a program that lacks identity completely. I don't know what it's trying to be. I don't know what, what exactly. I mean, I guess it's simple as that. I don't know what it's trying to be. And that's a big problem. That's a problem for recruiting. It's a problem for fans. It's a problem for the coaching staff. It, and it, it's it's everybody's problem, but mostly it's Thad's problem right now. Yeah, I mean, again, and we talked about this. I mean, you you want to watch a game and be excited. You want to you want to enjoy the process of doing it. And you know, the Michigan State game it was it was down to the wire. I mean, the Kim Palm called it. It was it was very close, and it was I think a fun game to watch. But you know, it, it's got to be interesting more than just because you're about to lose a game yeah. uh it, it you gotta have something exciting to bring and and i just you know i think they're going to be working on that i think there's a lot of work to yet to do i i do think to be fair i do think that they were hampered a little bit by the early schedule i mean they've they got a lot of teams that were coming through i mean they'd play a lot of road games and a lot of quality teams that they had to face early in the big 10 schedule but that's not an excuse for for starting, I think, as badly as they did. So that first win is good. Michigan State, like, you can build on that a little bit. I'm curious to see what happens, you know, in the next several games, um, especially if they have to go back to the road and, you know, a couple times in a row and see what that looks like. But I'm not, I'm not crying about it yet. And, again, I'm not calling for Thad's head. I just think he's got to make some changes. And the, the measure of a coach is really how well they can make those changes when they absolutely have to. So you saw Urban Meyer, you know, go out and just like fire everybody and then hire everybody. And that's cool. Uh, but, you know, Thad Mata is going to have to make some similar, you know, hard decisions and some hard choices. And we'll see if he does it. A couple things on that. Number one, I don't know this far into a tenure if, if he's changeable. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, I, right. I remember... <laughs> Quick, this is the best example I can give you. My brother was dating this girl who's just a lunatic, and and <laughs> she was like thirty six years old, and he was like thirty four. So two year difference, yeah. and and he was like, and he's like, boy, if I could just get her to change. And I said, dude, she's thirty six years old. She's fully formed. She's not. <laughs> it's not like going from eighteen to twenty five or twenty five to thirty where you change yeah. tremendously. Thirty six right. is you are you are. Like, she's who she is, and I kind of think that's that is kind of who he is. And I would think if you hooked him up to a lie detector and said, you know, what's going on, and how do you fix it? I don't know if he has the answer because the ways that he the way he built the program, I don't think is available to him anymore. Mm. He's not I don't think he can get in the doors and get the kids that he got then. I mean, how lucky were they that they had D'Angelo Russell or this would be so much worse. I mean, that one year with him, you can hang on to. But there just isn't 
and I don't mean to be too Debbie Downer because I love him and I, I just think he set the bar, but the bar that he set, I don't know if it's attainable anymore with with him leading the program. So then the question, well, though, who would you even replace him with? And I don't know because I don't know what the job is. You know, I was talking with Scooney today. He was on the show with us and he and Tim and I were all kind of talking and, and Eric and, and we said, you know, what, what is the Ohio state basketball program? Right. I mean, it's not, he gets paid as a top 10 coach. I mean, Thad's paid as a top 10 coach, but it's not a top 10 program. It's, it's below that, you know, the interest levels below that they play in a sterile environment. Um, and, and there's, there's these, these, you know, kind of like comets in history where they really shine with the national championship in the 60. And then you get, you know, the, these moments with Scooney and Michael Red and the Jimmy Jackson moments and the Conley Oden moments and the Sullinger moments. But then in between, there's just, there's these pretty decent valleys that occur. And yep. <laughs> it's, it's a tougher job. You, you look at from when you're in Columbus and you're covering, you say, that is a, that is a great job. That's a sleeping giant. It's got everything you want. You got state of Ohio talent, city of Columbus, uh, Ohio State to sell, huge football program that does all these things. But if you look at it, most of the pro schools that have big-time football programs don't have competent basketball. It's rare that you have both. Ohio State was lucky enough to have both. Florida had them both when they had Donovan and Urban. Um, but it's rare. I mean, it, most of the times, one up's one down. You can't have them both up. Ohio State does yeah. it better than anybody, I think. But it's a, very, it's a much more difficult job than I think people think that it is, especially now in college basketball with the one-and-done and the allure of playing in some of these high, high-level programs where they can recruit four or five guys every year because guys are cycling through. I just don't know what the job is, and I don't know who you would attract to the job. I mean, the natural name's Archie Miller. Are, are we sure that Archie Miller's a better coach than Thad Mata? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that he is. Yeah, I mean, I mean... I guess my point is, John Calipari's not leaving Kentucky to go to Ohio State. No. There are no sure things in college basketball. Well, let me ask you, how about this then? Because I, I agree with you that it's super rare they're going to have like two money-making programs, you know, basketball and football, both be yeah. world beaters at the same time. Maybe that's the wrong approach. Maybe Ohio State doesn't have to have that. Maybe, I mean, I think of the basketball right. team that I root for in the tournament, right? Like, aside from Ohio State. I mm -hmm. want to see Creighton. I want to see Butler. I want to see Northern sure. Iowa. I want to yeah, see those teams just roll through dudes because you like the scrappy guys. You like the yeah. cool programs where it's like a close knit thing. You know, you like the Utah States of the world. I do anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that's the approach Ohio state should be thinking about instead of trying to have two big superstar, crazy, like, you know, blockbuster teams on the same, you know, <laughs> academic, you know, athletic department. Maybe you just need a guy who can cultivate something really fun, like some kind of culture, something that'll bring people in because mm -hmm. it's that as opposed to we're going to get you to the NBA guy. Cause I don't know that that's sustainable. I don't know that's sustainable for anywhere except for a place with a long history of that, like Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, even and Kentucky's had their ups and downs, obviously. Um, right. So I, I just think Ohio state maybe needs to have a different approach to that. I, you know, now the I question think, is, can you convince the fan base yeah. and the power brokers of that? Because they right. don't believe that. I mean, I they, the they feel like, a, I think the fan base is amenable to that. I, I think they would. I think Ohio State fans would love that kind of stuff because Ohio State fans like personalities. They like goofy crap like that, and I love goofy crap like that. Um, I think that's something that people can can attach themselves to. I don't know that the powers that be at Ohio State are all about that because they have that big, huge, freaking you know <laughs> arena. Yeah, that's that a problem. Fill. Um, it's not St. John Arena. They they want to have you know fifteen thousand people at every single game. Um, 
But that, you know, <laughs> what's worse? Like having a, you know, a program that's scrappy and fun and people want to go out to and maybe get 10,000 game, or do you want to have a half-empty arena that nobody really wants to go to? And, well, the worst thing you can have in any fan base is apathy. And yeah, that's where, and that's, you're, that's where you're caroming towards. I mean, it's right. worse than anger comes first and then it's apathy and you're caroming towards apathy. And that's a real problem. That's to real. And, and the, the finances of it, Johnny, are right. even more going to be put into, into tune uh, with if the Blue Jackets are sustainable. Uh, right. We talked about this, you know, we talked about this several times, but they've never had to deal with the competent Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. And if the Blue Jackets are going to be the team in town, that's a big town. There's a lot of money to go around. But if the Blue Jackets become the it thing to do, um, Buckeye basketball is going to be playing in a big cavernous prison-like stadium <laughs> in front of a lot of half-empty crowds. They do that anyway, so yeah. it, it will, will get say, worse. I think your approach is right. I think a Bo Ryan type, and I hated Bo because he was such a <laughs> rival and such a worthy adversary, yeah. but I think a coach like that – see, at Wisconsin, they have a culture. That yeah. I guess to your that's your your point is, is a good one in that um, – Right when I said I don't know what Ohio State's basketball program is right now, I mean Wisconsin. I know exactly what they are. Yeah, you know they and they have two of our guys, two Central Ohio kids. You know who play pretty well for them. Um, you know we they they build a pro they have a program. You know Thad at this point because of what because of just this meandering they've done in recruiting in terms of not being identified who they can get and who they can't. I don't even know the type of player they're recruiting. I don't. I can't even tell you. I don't know what type of style they're recruiting to. I don't know what they're looking for. Wisconsin has all of that. They know what they're looking for. They're recruiting to a style and they're recruiting to a program. And they know they're not in there trying to get a kid over Kentucky. That's not who they are. <laughs> and they're recruiting. That's to not what they're doing. <laughs> right. No, it's. I guess so. But let's let's finish up the basketball conversation with this this little point here. What is a How do? Is there any way that this season can be a success? Is there any way you can look back on this season? Because they're not winning out, you know, so they're not going to, you know, they're not going to be a top 25 team. So um, does this team have to make the NCAA tournament to, for it to be viewed as success or can another NIT berth be enough? I think if you see improvement from the first half of the season and they don't have to win out, but if you can maybe have a winning season in the Big Ten, right, and then make some noise in the Big Ten tournament, that to me is a successful season. I don't really care whether you're the NCAAs at this point, the NIT. Um, I just want that mod to bring back a little bit of excitement. And, and to be fair, this is one thing I wanted to say. The yeah. game against Michigan State was lit. That's you know, like people were like all about that. That was definitely a, you know, an exciting, you know, game and people were into it. And I don't want to take anything away from that. But I think that just goes to show like if you have something that will bring people to a game like a matchup against Michigan State, they will go yeah. to the game. And they will be excited about it. But it's got to be something that's interesting. It's got to be something that's exciting. And if I see that by the end of the season, I don't care about the NIT, the NCAA, that to me will be a success. You know, it's, it's funny when, you, you know, this just jumped into my mind. You were talking about bringing Michigan State. I remember when Duke played there, Sullinger's sophomore year. Yeah. I think it was number one against number two. And LeBron James and Dwayne Wade were there. <laughs> right. Like, that's, that that's was, not happening again. <laughs> No, and so that's why I think this is such a difficult spot for Thad because that's the program he had. Yeah. He knows that. That's what he was. <laughs> and he's trying like hell to get back to that, and I don't know if the way that he did it then can be replicated. So this will be fascinating. I, I think, you know, there, to me, it'd be such a long shot to make the tournament. At this point, you hope you make the NIT, and then you have a really tough offseason and try to figure out who you are. 
and try to get back to, and you got to, I mean, you got to get to some player development and you really have got to hit on some recruits. Like this, this recruiting class coming in has got, they've got to have some studs in it because you can't have any more misses. They've had far too many misses in recruiting. Speaking of recruiting, uh, doesn't seem like Urban Meyer's missing on anybody. I saw the uh, rivals top 25. They had their final ranking in Ohio state had five, five star recruits. (laughs) That's pretty good. <laughs> it's just that's ridiculous. Fine. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, with the the weird part about this is uh, Johnny, I didn't do well in math. I uh, tended to tend. I waited till my final semester to do all my college math. I hated it. I was awful at it. Yeah. Um, but I, ca- I I can count okay. And um, I was talking to Andrew Lind, our excellent recruiting coordinator, and he was saying that right now we're at ninety one scholarships. And um, I, t- I tend to know that you have to be at 85. Mm-hmm. So that's, I can do quick math, that's six. And then he said that Ohio State's in on three or four more kids. And yeah. they'd like to get another receiver, another offensive lineman, Marvin Wilson. Uh, so then Ohio State gets to 94 <laughs> or five. And then I say, all right, Torrance Gibson's gone, ran a couple linemen off, and we still have to run 10 kids out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and reality is is you do that that's that's where you're at and so that is an interesting spot uh for ohio state because um and i look this is this is what you this is the the price of doing business michigan does this alabama does this this the best programs in the country you know they do this scholarship crunch often Alabama's most famous for it uh mark rick didn't do it at georgia and um he was yeah, I don't know if he ever got quite the credit, but a lot of the schools in the South do it. Urban didn't do it much at Florida, um, but this is the way of doing business now. So they're going to have to run 10 kids, and that's a much different way of doing business than Ohio State typically has. But Ohio State now is doing business at a level recruiting wise that they probably never have before. Um, just as someone who's been, you know, as an alum, as somebody who's been around the program a long time, is there any red flags to the way that this is going down? Red flags in terms of how I personally feel about it. Is this the type of program that you that that you're that you're cool with? Is there or is it is it something like is it more of a situation where? And I think this is probably where most people listening and certainly that that occupy the site is. Yeah. Well, I don't care as long as they're good next fall. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't affect me. Yeah. And I do think. What do I I care? Most people think of it that way. They run Johnny Dixon out. Right. I I think most people do think of it that way. But I got to tell you something. It's not really how much. And this is, I think, the realization that I came to a while ago. It's not so much about how I feel about it or how fans feel about it. It's yeah. really only about how those players feel about it. And if college football recruiting and, and this whole the way the you know gray shirting and all this stuff goes, if they're understanding that that is the deal that they sign when they get signed by Ohio State and that this could happen and that's how it works, and they fully accept that, then I don't necessarily have a problem with it. What I have a problem with is if a student signs on thinking that all right i got your back buddy you know this is a guaranteed four-year scholarship doesn't say that but i i believe in you uh and then they buy into it and then they get kicked to the curb after a couple years that bothers me um you know i don't want to make assumptions for players i mean if, if a player goes into this and understands that that could happen to them especially if they don't produce or that doesn't work out for them that's fine i mean that's part of the game but i know there are players out there who don't think that way and I, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's something that I've struggled with a little bit. I know that when, you know, Jim Trestle is around, the, that's, that's certainly not how things, you know, were really done. Um, yeah. 
And I think, you know, a lot of people took pride in that. I took pride in that. You know, I liked the idea that I could hold that over the heads of SEC fans, because at the time, yeah. that was basically all that I could hold over the heads of SEC fans. But college football has changed a lot in the past, you know, five, ten years. And like I said, it's all about how the players feel about it. And they're not ever going to say publicly, I think, or at least, you know, aside from the random kid on Twitter who gets really PO'd at some point. But um, I, I think it's really about how they feel about it. Um, they're perception of the deal and if they feel they got a raw deal then i'm with them on it because i well, if i were in a similar situation i'd be recruiting yeah yeah then it wrecks future recruiting if that happens and then right. you got a big problem in hands. i have a feeling that urban meyer is pretty damn honest with these kids i would um, yeah I'd i would so. think that he would say and i feel like this is i've even heard him say this publicly before but something to the effect of if you're not contributing here by year three you know hit the bricks I mean, yeah. I feel like he's even alluded to that. So I think he, everything he does in the program is so competitive that I think I can't imagine that that's not a part of his pitch. Um, you know, that if you're not making some impact by year three, you know, you need to go find some place where you can right. or maybe rethink your, your place. So um, I'm sure he's honest about it. Look, it is what it is. I don't have a problem with it. I'm sure that I'm sure there's some, that there's complete honesty, you know, from Urban and his staff on on what's expected and what you're supposed to be. Um, ten is a lot, and I'm very curious to see if it gets if they sign three more kids. I'm very curious to see how they're going to get down and who's going to be sent packing and how many kids are going to end up at Cincinnati because I think there could be a lot of them that do. <laughs> Yeah, um, that, inadvertently, because, like making Cincinnati the best team in their conference. <laughs> right, that's right. I mean, I I think you'll see a lot of those kids end up at Cincinnati playing for Luke Fickle. So, especially yeah. those that can graduate early and and get there and play right away. So, um, that that'll be interesting to see. I'm fascinated to see how they get down because they've got a long way to go. I mean, even if it stopped right now, they got to get down six kids. So that's six more. In you've already had all these kids leave, so six more from that's a lot. No, it's so that's, that's a lot that, of work to do. They and and to, and to be honest, like you know putting everything aside, you know, or Meyer and competitive, that's still a lot. Like they've got to manage that a little better because the, even, even if you have this, this attitude yeah. of competitiveness and everybody plays for a spot every year and all this stuff, that's too many. Like, I'm sorry that I think that would probably be my point where I'm like, you've got to figure out these numbers a little better and, and ride the horse that you came in on. So, um, yeah, you know, I, if I wonder four or five, even like, I'm okay. With, but at the point where you get to like 10, like that's, that's a little too much for me, I think. Yeah, I mean, this could end up being like 12 kids or something like that. Three are already gone, and you, you potentially may have to lose another 10. That's half that's a lot of kids. Yeah, it is. And you wonder, okay, how did that happen? You know, did they need to take Stephen Collier in that class? Um, and he's been a model citizen. You know, oh, he's yeah. never going to play. Great kid. Um, you know, Johnny Dixon with injuries. There's been other kids who, you know, have injuries that they won't medically clear. So you'll see some of that stuff will start to happen. Um but look, this is a high stakes game and he's he's bringing in a historic class and he wants to get better and bigger and better and better. So I, I guess it's kind of the price of doing business, but I'm with you. I do think it's an exorbitant amount of kids that are going to have to find new homes between now and what the start of next season. So they have uh, they got spring football to get through. Then they got to get through the summer because by the time they get to August, you got to be at 85. So they, they've got a lot of work to do between now and then to find some kids, some homes. And maybe a lot of these kids graduate over the next semester and they can you know, grad transfer after that. My guess is that'll be what happens to, you know, several of these dudes. So, um, but anyway, that's the update. We'll start to have Andrew on in the next couple of weeks, um, getting you primed for signing day. It, there's not as much drama to it as there used to be 10 years ago, because a lot of these kids have been committed for so long. It used to be that, you know, that yeah. those boards were, were pretty empty 
you know, leading up to signing day and then it would really fill in. But nowadays, most of these kids are so long ago signed, sealed and delivered. Ohio State, I think, has nine kids already on on campus. Yep. So it's a, it's a pretty wild change from what it was 10, 15 years ago. And, and so some of the suspense is taken out of National Signing Day, I think. Yeah, no. And that's I'm, I'm cool with that, frankly, like, you know, <laughs> I dude, love National Signing Day. Off in somebody's house and promising them rap, you know, label yeah, deal. I I just love the circus of it in this. When I was in the South, I just loved it. Like it was just the craziest damn thing to watch these kids, like these big productions. And uh, it was nuts. Um, and the whole town would show up. It was, it was just crazy I, in a good way. I'd never seen anything else like it, but uh, so anyway, that's kind of where we are on that. Um, all right. Before we get to ask us anything, we want to remind you to go to iTunes. If you enjoy the podcast and rate it and subscribe, Yes. Uh, or wherever you, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, you know, go there and and rate that and subscribe. That would be helpful to all of us. Yeah. And so we asked that. And we want some feedback too. I mean, you know, what you like, what you don't like. I want to I want to hear a little bit more so we can do some tweaking in the off season. I think it'd be good. There you go. Cool. All right. What do you got for me, buddy? All right. Ask us anything as always. And, and by the way, I really appreciate you guys stepping up and and sending us questions. You can always ask us anything, sending us an email, dubcast 11 com, or hitting us up on Twitter at 11 dubcast and uh, some really good questions. So I want to, I want to get to okay. those. Uh, let's start off with Alvin. Who's been waiting patiently for, for a very yeah, long time, very long. Uh, <laughs> uh, for a few weeks here. So Alvin wanted to know, all right, is, is a playoff or bust mentality? <laughs> A reasonable expectation for 28, 2017. What what year am I living in? What, what am I doing? Yeah, right. It's hard, hard to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I you went to the playoff this year and you replaced arguably the best draft class Ohio State's ever produced. So yeah, I mean, I think that's the program you have now is that Urban's going to get you a lot of at bats in the playoff. And you're not going to make it every year. Your 2015 team was was probably his best team, most talented team maybe he's ever had, and they didn't make it. Because of the loss you had and the the you know the one loss, but you know they were still probably the best team in the country, and I think that's the program you have now. Where yeah. as long as he's there every year, you're going to get in at bat. So well, yeah, I think it, that's probably the expectation. I mean, you're losing some dudes. The you know obviously yeah. on on defense, secondary is going to have to be rebuilt and whatnot. But I still think the core guys that you have on the team are really good. Uh, you know, your chief rival is is losing a lot next yeah. year. Um, I think I think playoff for bus is a reasonable expectation. I don't know that they'll necessarily get there. I think there's always bumps in the road, but sure. I think that is a good expectation going into next season. I think those are kind of the that's the level at which you can expect the team to achieve. So we'll see how that goes. Um, all right. So next one here. This is from James. Uh, James wants to or he asks us. He says, "I know the cast uh, just went out today. This was a little bit ago, uh, but he had a question." Uh, regardless of what you think Urban will do, do you personally think JT played well enough this year to just hand them the, him, him the job? I know his supporting cast wasn't very good, but do you think his play was good enough to deny Burrow or Haskins a fair chance to compete for the starting spot? I think if you pose that question to Urban Meyer, who watches him every watches all of his quarterbacks every day, he would laugh yeah. at you. Unfortunately, James, that's <laughs> yeah. the reality. I think this is this is a classic. We did the, the start of the show about the perception between a Twitter silo and Tom Izzo and the truth being in the middle. Uh, the same could be done here. And that is uh, a fan perception of how JT Barrett played. And he wasn't great. He wasn't. That's why the coaching staff was turned over because he wasn't great. and They couldn't throw the ball with any effectiveness. Um, but the reality is, is that JT Barrett is a. Uh, is going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks in Ohio State history, certainly statistically. And in the eyes of Urban Meyer, head, shoulders, torso, 
hips, knees above anybody else. I mean, it's, it's just <laughs> not even close. I mean, there, it would be insulting probably to Urban to even ask that question out loud. I yeah. think the way he would, if if even somebody who had who he's known a long time, like Tim May or somebody who's been there a long time, and who he's known from his first tenure, asked that question, I think the look that you got for him from Urban uh, would would make you shudder, uh, truly. Oh yeah, I mean his love for JT. I mean it's it's he gets attached to those guys who are grinders and leaders and all that stuff. I mean he, he loves dudes like uh, you know John Simon and whatnot. Um, well, they're producers yeah, I, I, too. Right. Well, and yeah. To be yeah. fair, it's not like JT hasn't really held up his end of the Wasn't bargain. Wasn't he the offensive player of the year in the Big Ten this year? Uh, I can't remember honestly. I think he was the offensive player of the year in the yeah. Big Ten. I know he's the quarterback of the year. Yeah, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that while I think if you know people look at it on a game to by game basis and they they nitpick and they can say, all right, well, he needs to improve on this X, Y, and Z. Then, yeah, you could say like, okay, there needs to be some kind of competition. But the truth of the matter is, guy who's been in that program for that long, who has put up those guiding statistics, has played as well as he had in really important games. Um, I just, I, there, I don't see any chance of that. I, I think he's no. pretty much got that on lockdown unless he gets hurt. And by the way, another thing that I wanted to bring up real quick, this is something we discussed at the beginning of the season, which interestingly enough, didn't end up, coming to fruition but jt barrett made the entire season without getting hurt right mm-hmm. like isn't that yeah. something i mean we talked that's about this like remarkable that's, when you say that yeah and that's and like you no, were saying no urban meyer quarterback time. has exactly right it's the first time an, uh, an urban meyer quarterbacks made it through the entire season without getting hurt and um i think that's significant too honestly because yeah, that is if he was dinged up if he had to have an off-season surgery or something like that then yeah maybe you you see what happens in spring ball but that's not the case so that's i don't know fascinating yeah yeah, and that's you know, and I think that's something that we've we've talked about a little bit. Uh, Jeff Turn actually just asked us a question, kind of similar to that. So I think you know, Jeff, uh, I he kind of talks about Ed and and some of the other guys and and what needs to happen on on offense, but I, I think he's kind of with us on that. So we kind of got two for one there. Uh, this is mm-hmm. from Kurt, our good friend Kurt, uh, who does uh, you know wrestling and whatnot for uh, the mm-hmm. website. Cause he's great. Uh, he says. Guys, I'm an average white guy. I speak only English and rudimentary Spanish. <laughs> right, right there with you, buddy. Uh, yeah. Should the needs need arise for me to leave the United States and live the rest of my life under the radar, probably yeah. hiding from some shadowy underworld mob, uh, where would I stand the best chance of laying low? I'm not asking because anything is on the horizon, but it never hurts to have a plan. If this uh, is neat. There's only one correct answer, and it's uh-huh. Australia. Why? It's okay, Australia. Wow. Because it's basically the United States, except it's on the other side of the world. Ooh, okay. Like, even if somebody really wanted to find you, are you really going to get on a plane and fly 16 hours to Australia? I mean, no <laughs> one's doing it. So you basically, everyone speaks the language. Uh, it's a you know, first world country. It's got all the amenities you'd want. Better weather. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I mean, when's the last time you heard of like, something really bad happening in Australia? I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Right, it's pretty good. I mean, I don't even think it's close. I don't even know what second would be, to be honest. Here's, here's what second. Here's what second. New Zealand, because okay. I don't like funnel okay. web spiders. I don't like box jellyfish. And I don't want to get eaten by a great white shark. I'm gonna well, go, go to the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> you could. I mean, I guess you could well, stay in the middle think, of this, between the, the two. All right, I can give you New Zealand a second. Yeah, uh, but with New Zealand, you're talking about a much more confined space. That's true. It's a lot smaller than Australia. Australia, yeah. you could disappear in Australia once you get there. That's New Zealand, point. like once you get past Auckland, where the hell else are you going to go? You're going to be out with the hobbits. I mean, they're just, there's not a lot of, I don't know that there's a lot there. 
Yeah, you can. I will say also, everybody I've ever met from Australia, New Zealand, phenomenal humans, like just great people. So to me, like I could go to, I told my wife, I said, we could go to Australia tomorrow and move our kids. And I don't even know if they'd know the difference other than a few accents. Yeah. I mean, I think we'd be fine. Uh, yeah. You know what? You convinced me because uh, the, I mean, people forget how freaking big Australia is. You, you hide the interior of that, that country. It'd be terrible. It would suck. It'd be like 110 degrees every day and you'd hate yourself, but nobody would ever find you ever. Yeah, but dude, um, you can live in, you could go Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. I mean, there's all sorts of options Yeah, where you could live in within Australia, like good, great cities. You'd be fine. Yeah, yeah I think well Australia. There. I think Australia is the move. I'm, I'm with you on that, Kurt. You should, yeah. you should start just making some contingency plans right now. Um, yeah, start easy. figuring, <laughs> figuring out all the slang and all that good stuff. Yeah, it'd be so simple. Uh, all right. So Alvin's got another one here. He says bigger loss in terms of impact for next year: Curtis Samuel or Luke Fickle? Samuel. You think you so? Still have Shiano for yeah. another year. Yep. And he's great. So yeah, I mean, for next year. Luke is, you know, the loss of Luke will be over the course of several years because he's a program guy. But for next year, um, you know, I've said it. I said it last week on the show, like the loss of Curtis Samuels is monumental because if you don't have a guy and right now they don't know who that guy will be. We can all talk about DeMario McCall sitting on a dirt bike, but he's got to <laughs> he's got to go do that. And we know Curtis Samuel can do it. So that's a tremendous loss. I just want DeMar McCall to like, you know, at the beginning of a game where they have all the smoke and stuff coming from the tunnel, I want him to like lead the entire team out on a dirt bike. I think that would be so freaking like Vikings guy does. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, or like, you know, like the, the Seminoles instead, you know, oh, instead of the horse, <laughs> instead of like a flaming spear, he like, you know, yeah. I don't know, dabs or something. I don't know, whatever. It'd be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if they, if I'll say if he, is, if he's 80%, of as good as his persona is as a player, we're all in for a treat. He's the greatest player of all time. Um, yeah. All right. So we got a couple here on Twitter here. Uh, the first one we've kind of covered, so I'll I'll skip that a little bit. It was it was kind of related to um, you know talking about uh, you know like I don't know the, the coaching and whatnot and and that. Okay. Um, but let's let's get to another one here. This is uh, let's let's go to this one. This is this is a little more interesting coaching question. Um, Let's say all the Big Ten coaches are in a battle royale, all right? And tell you what, I'm going to add a little conditions to this because, you know, our, our good friend here on Twitter, uh, Mike, uh, just says battle royale. I'm going to make it a rage in the cage match. Um, okay. No escape, all right? You can't, you can't, there's no planning. You're just thrown in there. You yep. got to fight. Who would win? Who would come out on top in this, this gigantic battle royale? Harbaugh. Well, this is basketball. Specifically basketball. Oh, I thought we were doing football. I'm like, that's yeah, easy. Sorry, specifically <laughs> basketball. Sorry, I should have, I should have, uh, it's the easiest ever. Basketball. Yep. Hmm. Basketball's harder. I'm I'm trying to like identify all these little dudes. There's I'm trying to think if there's anybody in there who's just a badass. Or terrifying or insane. I've got I've got I've got my own personal. Go ahead. If you have one Brand. that you've thought of, probably Brand. Chris Collins, just because he was an elite athlete. He jumps out. Who do you got? I got Fran. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fran. Yeah, he's McCaffrey. Crazy. He's going. He's yeah. He's insane. He's he's a psychopath. He'll go in. He's the, he's like the mankind of the situation, right? Like yeah. he's got Sako. He's gonna like start biting people in the neck. Like yeah, I, I got he's Fran. Weird. He's super. He's weird. weird. Super weird. He if Bo, weird. If Bo were still around, maybe Bo. But Fran. I was gonna say yeah. Bo would be, would have been my choice if he were still around because for some reason I feel like he's a Navy SEAL. But um, yeah. yeah. He's the guy who takes off his shirt and he's got like fifty tattoos and yeah. yeah. Yeah, Collins is probably the most physically able. 
right. of all of them. Um, yeah. Who would definitely lose? Who would definitely lose? Yeah, well, Thad's not going to be in great shape without the foot. So, I mean, that's <laughs> right. a problem, unfortunately yeah. for him. I mean, he's, you know, that's the reality of it. Um, but there's some little dudes yeah. that are kind of running. Like, Izzo's not a big dude. He's not going to last long. <laughs> You know, like beelines not last. Izzo long. would There's be not... used as a as a weapon against someone. Yeah, else. he's a little dude. Like he could get beat up pretty good, I think. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Which is sad because I love I love Tom Izzo, but he would get stuck. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. So I would go with Fran on that. And that's that's ask us anything. Those are all the questions. And guys, thank you so much for submitting those. Those are excellent. Yeah. And uh continue to do that, especially to to help us through the long dark off season of the soul. The uh, this is so funny. I thought that was a football one and I thought that you had the whole build. I'm like, it's Harbaugh's not close. Oh, yeah, like, Harbaugh would eat some yeah, of his heart with a spoon. Yeah, like I, I think he would do it without even being forced. Like yeah, he's, I mean, I, yeah, he would. He's got contingency plans in place for in case no that doubt. actually happens. There's no doubt. There's yeah. no doubt. He would. He would have no problem like eating someone's tongue. I think it's all in play for him. <laughs> he's a delightful lunatic. It's all in play. Yeah. Uh, all right. So don't forget to go to iTunes and rate if you if you don't mind that. We would really greatly appreciate that and subscribe uh, wherever you uh, take in your podcasting. Uh, that would be great for us. And um, we'll be back next week. All right. So we've got two Buckeye basketball games. You've got. Um, uh, Nebraska Wednesday, Northwestern on Sunday. Johnny, we'll get you out of here on this one. What is the prediction? Are we two and zero, one and one, or zero and two on the week? Uh, I think you go one and one. I think you get one of those, and and maybe and maybe two and zero. Maybe get lucky. Maybe ride a hot streak a little bit. But I think you go one and one. I'm with you, one and one, and we'll reconvene next week to talk about that and whatever else is going on in the world of Buckeye athletics. Uh, always fun, my friend. I'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week.